Hello and welcome to Board Disc Golf Podcast, where we talk about disc golf from the past, present, and future. My name is Nick, and alongside me is Derek and Will. How's it going, guys? Not too bad. How are you doing, Nick? You know, every day is a good day. Um, so we are going to be a new disc golf brand that's popping on the market here soon. We're looking to have merch drop, and um, we're just really excited to get our podcast out first so you can learn a little bit more about us. So I'm going to throw it over to Derek. He hasn't talked yet. And uh, how'd you get into disc golf? Well, first, I want to say that Will kind of interrupted me because I was planning on going second, and then... Will kind of just jumped in and took over, so I'm not too happy about that. So I'm not off to a great start. I'm not doing well right now, actually. Um, but can you repeat that question? Because I was a little upset, but now I'm good now. I'm okay. Yeah, we're just looking uh, to hear about how you got into disc golf um, so that everybody that's listening to this can yeah. get to know you a little bit. No, yeah, I got into disc golf. Um, I got two discs before going to college because... I figured that I was going to be broke and needed something free to do. And then I put them in my dorm. And then Nick, actually one of my co-hosts, came stumbling in my dorm and found the disc and then got me to go with him a couple times. And that's where it kind of started from there. If I remember right, you only threw overhand when we first started. Yes, yes. A very unorthodox style. And honestly, I kind of miss the overhand style. I think uh, it it did not produce great scores, but what it did was produce memories, and so that that was a big key of that. Yeah, um, so yeah. A lot if of, I didn't tomahawk, I wouldn't have the disc golf friends I have today. That is true. It was fun beating oh. you when we could. Yeah, will. If you, if you thought your shoulder was bad now, imagine if you kept tomahawking all through these years. That's that's why I had to stop the tomahawk style. It was a good. It was a good life. It was a good life. Well, how about you? Uh, yeah, I started I started disc golf a decent amount of time, you know, a long time ago, probably about 10 years ago. Um, I know maybe even a little before that, my dad took me out once with, I know, one of my uncles and probably some other people. And we played around and nothing really came of it. Didn't really play disc golf after that until one of my neighbor's nannies took us disc golfing and the course he took us to was Bryant Lake. Just sweet course. If you don't know what Bryant Lake was, is probably, I don't know, top 50 course in the country. Just kept really well. And ever since going to Bryant Lake, I've always wanted to start, you know, I wanted to start playing disc golf a lot more after that. And, you know, ever since then, disc golf has been the main hobby in my life. Have you played Woodlawn? Because you said top <laughs> 50 course. And Okay, never mind. <laughs> Well, that's great to hear. So what? how I started disc golfing was basically to get out of baseball cleanup. Um, so if we were to take the younger kids out to disc golf, we, could, we didn't have to clean up the field. And so I remember my first ever disc golf uh, round, I was throwing a cheetah. And I threw one in from probably, it felt like 200 feet, but it was probably 50. And I was hooked. That was it. I started buying discs. Uh, that was probably eight, nine years ago. Um, and ever since then, I've been playing. I was lucky enough to meet people in college that also had the same passion and, and the same grind as me. Uh, so that was nice. And now they're better than I am, every single one of them. Um, so that's not as fun. Um, but yeah, and ever since then, been playing disc golf, uh, watching it. We consume a lot of disc golf. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. 
So I think the next thing that we need to do is we need to introduce what Vor is. And I think uh, the brainchild, well, Vor is the brainchild of Will. Um, so I'm going to give Will a chance to kind of explain the name and then uh, what the future of Vor is. Yeah, so, you know, I think me and Nick have talked about starting something up in disc golf for a while. I know I've talked to one of our other buddies in the past about start, starting something up with disc golf. Um, and, you know, it's been a goal of mine for years to, you know, follow a passion and kind of make a business out of something you love. So probably about two months ago, I texted Nick and I was like, hey, like, let's just get something started. Like, we've talked about this. Let's just make it happen. And, you know, that's kind of the start of VOR. And the the main idea behind VOR was to, the main idea behind VOR is to, you know, get some, like, cultivate knowledge in the disc golf world, you know, increase professionalism in disc golf, and really try to uh, introduce a lot of people to sport in a different way. There's a lot of media out there that covers the current events, and there's a lot of media out there that covers the rounds. Um, and we want to try to do a few few different things. You know, we want to try to introduce people to the history of disc golf. We want to try to introduce people to the science behind disc golf, stuff like that. I think that's the main idea behind VOR is to increase professionalism and increase the knowledge base of disc golf and in increase, you know, you know, try to try to teach everyone a little bit more about disc golf and about the sport we're playing. And I think the main thing is, is that, of course, we're going to offer merchandise and things like that because, um, well, that's what a disc golf brand has to do. But it's more importantly, uh, the media of VOR is going to be kind of where we want to live um with science um with the history and then with hot takes too things like that i mean th those are the things that aren't thrown out in disc golf currently um and i think that's definitely something that we can um add to the sport it's also a very good time to get into the sport um so it's still young and i think that's extremely necessary is that we need to jump in now um because it is blowing up yeah, it's it's kind of a we're kind of in a weird period right now where disc golf feels like it's absolutely exploding if you're inside the sport and you've been inside the sport for a while. I mean, I remember five, six, seven years ago when I first started watching disc golf coverage, I would go on a like Anova's YouTube page or I'd go on Prodigy's YouTube page and it would be coverage of a random tournament. And there was no commentary. It was just quick shots of the people throwing, and that's it. And to now see live disc golf and uh, standalone disc golf network, it seems like disc golf is absolutely exploding, and it's huge and it's everywhere. But in reality, we're such a we're such a small sport, and we haven't even overtaken any of the other really small sports out there. You know, like there's well, there's plenty of sports we would consider consider small that we are nowhere near in size well the thing is is like i mean we even have like cornhole on espn and finally disc golf made it and that is just it, it took so long and i think disc golf is a more dynamic sport to have on espn if we want to just jump into a hot take right away um I know, Derek, you feel pretty passionately about this. Hot take. <laughs> um, what What is holding disc golf back? Why are we not on national TV? To be honest, I think it starts with the PDGA. Um, if Cornhole can be on ESPN Watch, 
not even ESPN, but the ESPN watch where they have like a hundred different things. I watched college swimming the other night at eleven thirty PM. College swimming. It's not even called swimming season. Why can we not get a tournament on ESPN watch? Right? I I mean, yeah, I think that's true. Um, do you know by any chance like how much it costs to get onto ESPN watch, or is it basically just like sign up and you're in? I do not know the uh, numbers behind it, but I think it's something. College swimming doesn't not have a lot of money. Okay, that, that's that's very true. A lot of college sports don't have a lot of money besides the football and the basketball because they're nationwide. College swimming, college lacrosse, college soccer I've seen on ESPN. Not a lot of money in their sport. Why are they on ESPN but on disc golf? And I and I I do wonder, um, and I don't know, Will, if you want to jump into this. Uh, I do wonder if it's because PDJ is a not-for-profit um, entity, so they're not going to use the member dollars. Well, isn't the NCA technically nonprofit too? Well, that can be argued, and that's for a different type of podcast. <laughs> Check out our college sports podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. I was just saying, yeah, I don't think. But yes, I mean, I guess both entities should be not for profit. But I, I almost. The PDGA runs with a tighter budget for sure. Um, so getting onto ESPN may be a little bit more tough um, with like allocating the dollars to growth or to like growth in schools, the edge program, or are they going to allocate the dollars to like marketing funds, which would be ESPN? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a really, it's a really interesting topic um, that I think we'll definitely need to dive into a little more. I mean, you look at you. I wonder if it's a lot of just the logistics of filming a round of disc golf. You know, we'll look at swimming as an example. Swimming, I'm sure you can cover that by putting one camera in a corner and just kind of moving it back and forth. Where disc golf, you gotta you gotta carry around three cameras and yeah, but it doesn't have to be live. They can put old tournaments on ESPN Watch because ninety percent of the ESPN people haven't seen that tournament. That's that, true. That's, like that's, just that's put a it. Fantastic put, example. Like just put it on the. The ESPN Watch, not ESPN 1, ESPN 2. Just put it on there so people can watch it. Pre-recorded turning rounds from already pre-recorded disc golf companies. It doesn't have to be live. We're not there yet. We're not to the Masters Golf three-card live round yet. And I think last year was a great example of when we did get onto ESPN. There was actually people watching the sport, tweeting about it. Um, It did come... Sem- yeah, Bubba Watson is a great example. It was it went semi-viral. Uh, the problem is is that how much money was actually spent to get onto ESPN, uh, I don't know. And is like a CBS Sports is that worth it, or is ESPN just the big ticket and that's where you gotta really spend your time? Yeah, it's definitely something we're gonna have to dive into. Maybe we can figure out the numbers later. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah, that was not a that was not a tangent we were planning on going off at, so we do not have the research on that one. No, it was not, but it is definitely something that we have to think about. Um, and I just it, it's something I know Derek is very passionate about. He's talked about it quite a bit. I've emailed the ESPN multiple times <laughs> of why F one racing is on ESPN, but why is this golf? Not even on not even on ESPN. It's on one of the tabs. I'm on ESPN right now. You can click on the tab and click F one has their own page. What the hell is F one? <laughs> okay. All right. 
I know I'm not the only one. We'll move on to uh, current events. And the first current event I want to cover um, is is probably the European Open. Um, the whole tour has been moved to August. That was something I was super excited for. I wanted to watch some different disc golfers and some courses I hadn't really seen much of in the past. Um, and that tournament was supposed to start, I think, a week ago or so, or maybe it was this weekend. And the whole thing has been moved to August because of COVID, which is just a huge bummer. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, I think about the European Open as uh, really like the pinnacle of disc golf uh, tournaments, uh, mainly because over in Europe, the fanship is just crazy. The fanfare is through the roof. You get thousands and thousands of people out there. Um, but I do know that in Europe, COVID numbers are spiking again. And so I wonder if like just getting the American disc golfers overseas would have been too difficult. And if you don't have them overseas, is it really going to be as exciting of an event? Well, yeah, I mean, we can look at the, the European Open, but also just like the whole tour is being pushed back of the people actually in Europe. And what's interesting is, is the, the you know pushing the entire tour back to August, and you know I, I think you know I was thinking about this, and I think a lot of the logistical problems with the European tour are coming up with COVID. You know these people have to go across country to get to all these tournaments. It's not like the U.S. where everyone's already inside that country. You yeah. know you've got people spread across. 25 plus countries and they're trying to get from country to country to get in these tournaments and with all these covid restrictions i'm just guessing it became almost impossible to get everyone to these tournaments well Kristen tatar was on a live stream and she was explaining the process that she would have to have in order to get into the u.s and her and silver lot um both fantastic disc golf players by the way um would have to go into mexico uh be in mexico for 14 days then come across, because now they're in North America, then come across into the U.S., quarantine for another 14 days. So that's 28 days gone. Um, and then they can finally play a tournament in the U.S. So if it's something similar over there, I just can't imagine that they would want the uh, American players to lose out on 30 days, essentially a month of disc golf. Yeah, it seems it seems almost impossible to be doing stuff over there right now, if, if it's think- a similar situation. I think one of the biggest things about the European scene is that disc golf is huge in Europe, and I don't think we shed enough light um, within within Europe. Period. Um, the World Tour, or what was what was the UC's tour called at one point in time? The World Disc Golf Tour, or something the like disc, that. Disc Golf World Tour. I was just watching yes. the 2016 European Masters today. Oh my God, that event is insane. Right. That's a wonderful concept. And if it would have took taken off, it would have been fantastic. But all of our American players would not be in the States for very long because I just the the amount of fans that come out to watch disc golf in Europe is just crazy. Um, They're treated like professional athletes. And I think that is definitely something that we need to bring back to the States in order for it to for disc golf to thrive. Um, even more than it is. The pandemic helped out disc golf a lot because people were looking for things to do outside and looking for things to do away from other people. But the pandemic's not going to be here forever. No. Um, I guess that's a good good segue into our next topic, actually. Um, kind of related to current events. 
Um, do you guys think that a European tour could ever be as big as the Disc Golf Pro Tour that's in America right now? No. Why not? I was waiting for Nick's answer, too. I just wanted to... <laughs> I think so. I think there are some solid players um, over in Europe. Um, you know, Silver Lot, Albert Tom, uh, Seppo Payu. Uh, KJ those are Naibo. Some, KJ Naibo. He's, he's a little older. I think he's master's age now. Um, but those are some solid players. Uh, they're always going to be solid players. They're perennial top 10. And just the fact that the countries are smaller and the disc golf population is higher especially in countries like finland i think the tour could be um maximized like like the roi on the tour would be a lot higher over in countries like that but the biggest problem is is that our players in the u.s have far like they're far better like you don't have a 1050 guy overseas you have a 1050 guy you have five of them like the 1050 boys um, right within the U.S. And I don't know if it's because Paul McBeth, Ricky Wysocki, uh, Calvin Heiberg are not playing over there all the time to push the competition up. Um, but I do think the tour could be big. Uh, I just think it would have to be all within the pro tour itself. So I'm going to give I'm going to give some numbers to support why the pro tour in Europe could be be really big. And then I'm going to let Derek kind of rebuttal and say, are like, you why? saying are you saying you said big together yeah i'm saying i'm saying there's a potential that you know the disc golf i'm not saying it's very likely but i'm saying there's a potential like this sport could end up being a european sport you know and not be centered in america and here's here's kind of the numbers i'm going along with um the u.s is actually ranked the number seventh for disc golf courses per capita and the six other countries that are above the u.s are all within europe um, also, nine, 9 out of 10 of the most popular courses are within Europe. And a country or like a, like a private or like an island right off of Finland just put in that disc golf island complex. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Like, but the, explain this it for the listeners. It's obviously blowing up over, over yeah. there. What is it? You What's should up? explain the, explain the complex the for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have the exact numbers on how many courses there are. But um, what I do know is an island off of Finland put like put like a dozen courses um, on this like stretch of islands, and it's kind it's kind of turning into probably one of the big disc golf destinations. I mean, if I was to go anywhere in the world to disc golf, it would either be Yarva, or it would be these disc golf islands where there's like twelve different gorgeous islands that you can go play disc golf on, go play like three rounds a day for four days and it would be the absolute disc golfer's dream and that's the brainchild of uc maresma and avery jenkins um for everybody that's wondering uc owner of Dismania, and also probably the biggest disc golf innovator um right now in our in in the world like he he innovates in so many different ways that nobody even understands so i just looked it up it's 16 courses on the island one one single island um it looks like it's it's like a little island with separate because it says if you have a boat or rent a boat you can probably play all 16 in three days without stress so i think there's some water in between them but they're like it's one area island so if you sit at one island 
like let's say island a you can tee off on island a throw across the water to island b and then that's like a par five or something i like don't that. think i have that kind of arm <laughs> well anybody else it says right here it says five of the courses are on one small island there are ferries that allow you to take a car with you but they don't run that often you might need 20 hours to make all three courses happen or all three all no all 16 courses 20 hours we can do it we could i mean we could probably bust out those courses in like 15 hours if we were moving if somebody plays 16 courses straight need they need to get their arms checked (laughs) or i want i want that stretch routine or that that routine right there you know i want kelvin heinberg's stress or stretch routine the guy is unleashing on discs right now and like 550 pinned uh, he is i'm gonna say right now and i know it's a hot take but we're gonna get into worlds at some point in time kelvin heiberg's winning worlds this year are they officially having it i haven't seen the yeah. schedules they, they are. are they are it's so where utah is it at where is it at utah? Right. Oh. yeah utah utah okay okay it's a, back it's to a cool the european course. tour Kind of a kind of a kind of a tangent. Um, did you guys see a week or two ago, Calvin and Kevin Jones were sharing a mini? Yeah, I did One of them see forgot that. Forgot a mini. Yes. It just shows like some that. people at some people at random C tiers will make it seem like the most serious thing in the world, but Calvin and Kevin at the the highest tier of the game are just throwing around a mini, just having a good time. I would love I, to share a mini with somebody. <laughs> I think the thing about it is it what is it what does it matter? Like and that's what the the guys at the top understand that better than like intermediate players at the C tier. Um which you know there's all levels of disc golf and the guys at the top are at the top because they're really good and they probably don't care much. Like it's not like they're going to lose a stroke because of sharing a mini, but they just they play a different type of golf than most people do. Well, I think the thing is, is that they're all really good friends. They play together every tournament. I've made me played with an advanced guy twice the same card in my life. And they probably play together every tournament. That's, that is very true. If you're up at the top, every single advanced tournament, you play with the same guys. Well, they play every weekend. They are, they're in the same town every weekend. They're talking all the time. And I maybe see two random guys... I'll say, hey, every month. I play a tournament a month on average. That's a thing. I, I think and I if if listeners are able to chime in on this, you know, hit us up in the text box. But do you think we should get on a text thread during our tournaments and all shoot the same exact score so that we can play together every single round? <laughs> you know yeah, I remember I was telling Kenny, like, hey, you should have shot one better stroke so we could bet on the same card again. Like, what were you? You know, thinking? I've tried I've tried that with my friends and you know it just never works out because I was King of the North, I'm down one. We're on the same card, me and Kenny. I say, Hey, you par I birdie. I birdied the whole. The guy gets a six. <laughs> like, just get a. We had the game plan. Just get a par. Dude gets a six. I did my part, and he gets a six. So I'm done trying to make plans on getting on the same card because it doesn't work. Ever. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I've tried maybe multiple times. I might have multiple stories of trying to do it, but it never well, worked. Well, if you're playing with me, all you got to do is tank. And then we'll be on the same part. <laughs> I tried to have a good first round and a bad second round. Okay, that makes sense. 
But yeah, don't ever try to pair out with your friends second round. It's not going to work out in the end for somebody. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, at the at the end of the day, like, the Disc Golf Pro Tour is probably going to be the tour. I think they're doing such a good job right now um, with the Disc Golf Network. It seems like they're going to take over these national tours in no time at all. Like, at this point, they're pretty much the Disc Golf Pro, part of the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Um, same with all the majors. The only major that's not being covered is the USDGC because Anova has some weird like ownership oh, of it. Oh, that one we have to talk about later because that <laughs> is just something that grinds my gears. All right. So yeah, at the end of the day, the Disc Golf Pro Tour is looking looking safe as being the top top of the game. I got a um, comment about the European Tour. What's up? The European tour, I have a comment. Yeah, what's up? I don't think it'll ever be big. <laughs> wow. That's yes. just a just throw it out there. Yeah, no, it's just a fact. Like you know what'd be sweet? Keep going. If you think about it, it's like two different leagues. Uh the Pro Tour in North America and the European Tour. How many international leagues are there in every other major sport? Football, the Canadian Football League, never made it big. There's always one league that always is on top. You know what'd be cool though is if they kind of had a like a basketball situation where you put the you put the like up and comers over in Europe. You know how there's the NBA and then they go play over in like Spain or something. No, That'd the, be kinda sweet. The, the Europe is where the D two basketball players go. Oh, okay. There's only think... a couple Spain people that made it over. Rubio, Luka Doncic. There's not many at all. Otherwise. Every D2, low D1 player goes to Europe to play pro basketball. Hey, it's pro basketball. They're making money. They're making a solid yeah, kind exactly. of living. Exactly. They make, they, make, they make money, but it's not bigger than what's over here. Like, it'll never be what's over here. I think the problem is, is that if we want to claim that somebody is a world champion, we should not be holding the Disc Golf World Championships in the U.S. every single year. Well, I, I just was thinking that the same we point. have the best disc golfers here and that who's good from Europe? Simons come over. They all come over here. We have, yeah, because they have to. They don't have a choice. That's we go the there. Money, the money's here. I mean, un- I mean until last year... The the money is questionable. The money Most of the disc golf manufacturers are in the U.S., right? Like the main Latitude sixty four is. Aren't they in Europe? That's in Finland. Yeah. Finnish plastic. Yep. Okay. Castaplast is Finnish plastic. That doesn't. And, really... and Latitude sixty four makes. We'll leave out of the the conversation for now. But Latitude is over there. But is dynamic dynamics over here? What is Westside over here? Nope. Westside and Dynamic are made by Latitude. So it is Finland. <laughs> yes, it is. So as far as I know, Latitude 64 is is the maker of Dynamics discs and Westside's discs. You are correct. And part of Dismania's discs. Yes. Where's where's Innova's and Prodigy's factory? Uh, Prodigy is in Georgia and Innova is in California. Um, so those those two are here. MVP is in Michigan. Discraft is in Michigan as well. Um, so, so the most, biggest brands are here. Are in the U.S. That was kind of my point. You guys, you guys threw me in a loop by saying latitude off the bat. <laughs> but my point was most 
disc manufacturers are from U.S. Yeah, you are correct. Um, I think the thing about it is, like, Prodigy has a European arm because they understand that the market there is huge. Um, and Sapo is, like, actually a huge, huge owner in the European arm of, like, Prodigy Finland, basically. Um, and I know that Innova is expanding. Like, Hero Disc is owned by Innova. That's out of China. So they're expanding into that, like, Asian side of everything. Um, and so it they, they're trying to take over, like, most of the world. And even in golf, like, not every single golf tournament is in the U.S., is it? Like, they have a couple golf tournaments over in Europe, kind of like we what we have right now. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend a European tour, but I want more of a stop than just one tournament in Europe. I think we should have, like, three or four and then get them back over to the U.S. I do agree with that. Not a European tour, but Europe events in the pro tour. Like a European swing. I think that would be super solid. A European and month. It, yeah, yeah, give them a month. Because <laughs> one of golf's best courses is St. Augusta, and that's not in the U.S. I don't know where it's at, to be honest. But that is one of the most prestige courses in the world. They go there every single year. Everybody goes there. All the top players go there. It's not like if you're from Europe, you go there. All the top players. Yep. So if we did like that, not a European tour, but you need a European events. Because they have some beautiful courses. But not a European tour. So it's, so it's the PGA is doing something, or all the pro disc golfers are doing something very similar to what we have right now where... Uh, all these disc golfers go for the European tour because it's, you know, the big event in Europe, and then they quickly turn around and come back home. Or they do it because it's in the pro tour, and once we get more money, they'll have to. Mm-hmm. Or you can go make 150 bucks at a C tier. Your choice. <laughs> yeah, it, that is definitely your choice. And and don't forget, like, over in Europe, um, at I think that's called the Beast as well over there, which is funny because in in uh, in Texas we have the Beast, and then we have I'm, the Beast over there. It it's confuses just, me every year. Yeah, same thing. Um, but they also do the President's Cup, where each country competes against each other in a match play tournament, and they always name a captain. Eric McCabe was a captain a couple years ago, um, and so Simon always plays for Germany, and the, that president's cup is one of my most favorite things to watch every single year because you get to watch the talents that are coming out of all these european countries that we may not see all the time and so i i like what they're doing i think we need to expand it a little bit more add a couple more stops in in europe especially just because i think europe is dying for like paul Macbeth to be over there and for ricky to be over there like those guys are the best players Calvin Eagle as well. Like I group all four of them as the same, like they're just at the top and they need to kind of spread their, their love around the world as well. Like we, we get to see them all the time here. Yeah. So speaking of those guys, let's move on to the current events and what's going on with the DDO right now. I know I personally did not get a chance to watch much of the second round. But the first round was pretty interesting with all these rain delays going on. Um, did you guys watch any of it? I watched a little bit of the back nine of the lead card. I watched the whole thing. I mean, it was it was fantastic. Looked like uh, the great rain weather. delays. 
it was really crappy weather. Um, actually, luckily enough, Ben Callaway had really scorable weather um, at round one. He, he teed off pretty early. Uh, he's a Michigan native. This is his first year um, on the tour. Uh, he's, a, he's a veteran. Uh, he's won at every single level in his state, and he finally decided to go on to the tour. And he had really scorable weather, shot a 13 down. Um, so he is definitely somebody to watch that's kind of new on the scene, but also old as well. Um, and then, like, the the women, uh, if we want to dive into the women as well, they had to stop play and finish out the tournament at 8 a.m. this morning because that's how bad the weather was. Uh, so it was just crazy for all the later afternoon cards. That's the main thing I wanted to touch on is how terrible that is, that the woman had to stop and then restart in the morning. That just sounds absolutely miserable. Like you, I'm sure those women have their sleep schedules and everything planned out where they're waking up at, you know, 9 a.m. or something. And now they've got to now wake up at 6 a.m., get ready, throw around, go home, sit around and twiddle their thumbs and not know what to do. And then get back on the course. I mean, that's just, just terrible luck. And did you see what happened with uh, Eagle? On um, Eagle's first hole, he threw a, a not great first tee shot. Uh, and on his second shot, he he kind of rushed it. I don't know why. Ended up throwing. As his throw is in the air, the rain delay whistle gets blown. <laughs> and then his drive gets goes OB. No. So if you if you would have just waited like two seconds, you would have had a lot more time to figure out that shot. I saw on the 18th hole today he hit the flag stick. Yes. Like the American flag pole, he hit that. Yeah. And it went and it kicked back. Luckily, it kicked back in bounds, but like the unfortunate of hitting that flag pole. Oh yeah, I mean Eagle. Uh, first off, awful, awful for Eagle on that first round. <laughs> he was just up like two. two. Terrible oh. luck, uh, but you know he's still sitting at the top, uh, so he's he's doing just fine. Twenty seven down right now in the second day, um, but yeah, Eagle hits that flag pole, and then Ben Callaway, this the second person right after him hits the flag itself, and the disc gets swallowed up by the flag, and then drops inbounds as well. Um, so they were dealing with some stuff like late in the round uh, on the eighteenth hole that was just that's Emporia though especially early in Poria, um, you're going to get wind and you're going to get um, some like weather that you're not really expecting. And I think all the guys understand that. And that's just kind of, that's the name of the game. That's you got to be out there to expect the weather to turn on you. So who do you guys think wins? Definitely Paul. <laughs> We're halfway through. We're going to the country club now. I think, Going into the country club and the fact that Eagle and Calvin are at t at the top and they're longer throwers than Rick and Paul. Ben yeah. Callaway is also a very long thrower, but Ben hasn't been here before, so I don't think he's going to pull it I out. I think he'll fall off. I do think he'll fall off as well, but I think it's definitely a uh, it's an Eagle or Calvin type of weekend for me. Uh, Drew Gibson is also sitting at 21 down right now, and he has played fantastic at the country club course in the back. Uh, in the past, so I think the back end of this tournament, uh, we should watch him kind of charge up the leaderboards here. Paul, I think he's going to fall off, to be honest I, with you. Um, I do agree. Those wide open courses are not necessarily his strength, 
and the fact that Eagle's finally feeling good. He's been dealing with a back injury uh, these past couple tournaments. He's finally feeling up to snuff. I think he's going to, him or Calvin are going to take it down. Well, if we want to look at some trends, uh, what is the last, what is the last course that the, or what is the last golf course these guys played on? The last, that would be the Las Vegas challenge. And who took that down? That would be Eagle. Yeah. So I think, I think Eagle's got a little bit of a, a little bit of an edge here. Now, on the Emporia Country Club, there are a lot of tight OBs, and I'd say a lot tighter than that Las Vegas course. But, but you know, who I struggles think... with that the most out of anybody out of that out of the top grouping? That's Paul. Paul yeah. has the highest, one of the highest OB rates out of anybody. Ricky is also a sprinkler system off the tee. He, his game is scrambling, and so Ricky comes into Texas. He plays very well because that's that's all natural OB. Of course, he can scramble out, you know, three fifty feet in. Um, but Calvin, Calvin is probably the most consistent off the tee. He throws straight. Line drive shots, yeah. low with an eagle, low with a destroyer, and then he'll throw his rhino up and get the putt. Putting is going to be his issue, but if he's on, like th- there's no question that Calvin has probably the best chance out of everybody to win this with Ricky, Paul, and Eagle's high OB rate. Like if I didn't bet against Calvin, I already bet before the, the tournament, I'd be all team Calvin, but... Like, I'm just kind of biased for him because I don't want to lose the bet. But I do think Calvin's going to take it home. Yeah, so for the listeners, we've got a bet going uh, right now. Uh, so Will took Paul, Derek took Ricky, and I took Calvin. And the winner, uh, the other two are going to buy uh, putters for. Uh, so we got a putter bet going. We'll probably have some bets going later in the season as well. Just uh, we'll keep you, you guys tuned in on who's won the bets and, and whatnot. Uh, but one major thing, one major storyline is Rick's sister. I don't know, Will. Can do you want to kind of give your synopsis of what happened? Yeah. So I don't. I don't know the full story. Um, obviously, obviously, it's a big time bummer. Um, but from what I know, Ricky's sister did pass away yesterday, or was it two days ago? Yep. And you know, it's just a huge bummer. You know, I just. You know, I don't I don't have much to say about it. You know, all our thoughts and prayers go out to Ricky's family. It's a terrible time and you know, it seems I, I don't know. I don't I don't really have anything else to add to that. It's a really sad storyline in sports. Like and we've seen this play out a lot in sports. And it's just like it just proves kind of like the human aspect. Like when Michael Jordan's dad was murdered and he had to go into like game six of the finals. And then like, this has happened so many times. Um, and it, it's happened to disc golf. Like this is actually a, a thing that's happened. And, uh, Ricky seems really poised out there, um, which is impressive. And he, his, you know, his post around interview, he said, he's just happy that his sister's looking down on him and that he was glad to be able to see her, um, and and be with her at her final moments uh, the day before, uh, but yeah, just really sad. Yeah, I know, and I know Ricky's a big big family guy. You know, he's a huge. You know, he always whenever there's a podcast, he always talks about his just massive family and all his brothers and sisters, and you know, so it's just a bummer to see that happen. Um, you know, but it really it really just shows like all these all these people are humans too, and they they're dealing with the same problems, and we can't really blame them when they have an off week. You know, because stuff's stuff's going on outside the sport. It's not the only thing in their life. 
And it's crazy. I mean, he's in second place for all intents and purposes right now. So he's playing out of his mind. And, um, yeah, I I think for that, everybody's cheering for Rick right now for this weekend. Like, there's no questions. Yes, we uh, are. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh, I think when it comes down to it, I think I think like Rick is. I think he might pull it off he if Calvin stumbles. He's power ranking number one right now. Yes. All right, let's move on to the let's let's do a short discussion about the women's tournament right now, because huge talking point. Where is Paige Pierce? I don't know. You know she. He's- She's someone who last year we were seeing destroy every tournament. Well, she's Maybe not it's Katrina Allen's year. I just don't know what's going on. So for the last, I think, six tournaments or five tournaments, Paige Pierce has not won. Uh, she's been top three a couple times. She got sixth place. And her rating dropped from 991 to 977. Um, so that's uh, a huge, huge decrease in rating uh she was poised to get a thousand rated and there's it's just it it comes to a point where i think she almost eclipsed herself um she was so good last year and people are expecting that out of her paul Macbeth is dealing with the same issue um and yeah I, i definitely think she kind of eclipsed herself and now she's returning back to earth and katrina allen is always there even before Paige was Paige Pierce, Katrina Allen was there, and so I'm gonna say it. I think I think Katrina oh. Allen is the best FPO player probably to ever live, minus World Championship. Sheesh. What do you think, Derek? Honestly, I still think Paige Pierce is the best. I think she's had a bad year. Um, she completely has dominated years past. Maybe she's going through something we don't know. Elbow injury. Maybe she has a bad toe. I've seen that happen. <laughs> I've seen that happen personally. Maybe I don't know. Something's going on with her. She's not right this year. She's not playing well. She sat out this tournament. Does anyone know why? She's in Hawaii doing like a disc golf clinic, so she's still working. So she's got, uh, but so she's got distractions. That's precisely what's happening. Got the distractions out, girl. Let's get back on top, <laughs> and let's start winning fucking tournaments again, huh? <laughs> I think distractions, maybe an injury, maybe it's just a bad year. I mean, some some days you just don't feel it. Slumps happen, but I still think she's one of the best. Well, it's too bad the slumps are happening every Thursday through Sunday. You know, <laughs> like if, if she could, if she could just play a tournament Monday through Wednesday, we'd be I talking mean, a different story. She's played five tourneys this year: one, five, eleven, five, two. She's not in twentieth. The eleventh at Texas State is a little bit concerning. Yes, but I mean, second at Jonesboro behind Katrina Allen. Yes, Katrina yeah. Allen smoked her by eight strokes. Well, let's talk. Okay, F three thousand to the women's winner. Let's go. Yeah. Which one? Get more money in the sport. Um, Jonesboro, three grand to Cat. Is that the the Tito sponsored one, or was that some other tournament completely? Um, if there was Tito sponsored, I probably would have been there. I think that was. <laughs> but I think that was Texas State's. Uh, that was Tito sponsored. 
Yeah, because Tito's is out of Texas. There was some tourney where uh, Tito, I think it was Tito's, dropped a bag on the FPL purse strictly. Like, they strictly said, we want to pay out the FPL. And maybe it wasn't that tournament. Maybe it was something completely different. I don't know, but I respect that. They get more money. But yeah, Paige needs to pick it up. She's going to win the Worlds this year. Mark my word. See, I think it's Katrina Allen's year. I think she's getting her second Worlds Championship. Uh, she's more consistent. Her putt's kind I mean, of back. And she has every single throw that Paige has. And even more because she throws a roller. And so it's Katrina's year. Katrina Allen could be on the up and up. But she's still the queen of meltdowns. <laughs> That is, that is true. I've seen and her, her pull threes into eights just on the button green. Her yeah, those YouTube. It was on ESPN or ABC. I watched her get an eight and <laughs> lose the lead. Those yes. YouTube compilations of bad putting spells can't are half, half the time Katrina Allen. You can't change your meltdown. I think the thing is, though, uh, somebody that is on the up and up, like 100% is Kona Panis. Uh, yeah. She came out, she won the All-Stars event, uh, then she won in Texas, and she's been, like, top three right around there, you know, podium this whole entire year. Um, she's completely changed her putt and is rocking with it, and Kona is definitely somebody, like, I think she's still 21. I mean, like, she's still young, and so she's definitely somebody that is on the up and up. I'm excited to see what Kona can do with the rest of her career. Yeah, the other person I'm really watching for the come up is uh, Haley King. She's someone I'm rooting for. Um, you know, big time connection to Haley King. Uh, my girlfriend lived with her cousin. So, I mean, we're basically best friends, me and Haley King. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm just I'm just rooting for, for her from the sidelines, you know, as, as, a, as a close person to her and a huge fan. I think uh, another hot take. Haley King is a PR nightmare. Why? She she cannot give an interview at all. That's that's very true. That and is very true. So if I was Discraft in her contract, I'd say we're gonna give you a PR specialist, like to figure <laughs> to figure this out. Because if I can't watch you give an interview at the end of a tournament, you are not marketable. And we talked about ESPN at the beginning of this. We don't want you on ESPN. Like that that's a bad look for disc golf. If you cannot give an interview, you should not be on ESPN. You should not be at the top. Not marketable. That's so true. PR nightmare. At least Paige can talk. At least Katrina can talk. Almost every other girl can talk. It's just the one. Well, is Calvin Heimberg much better? Yes. No, yes. Oh, so much better because he has a cohesion. <sighs> okay, I got to be nice because we're trying to be a disc golf brand here. Um, someday Calvin, some people are going to look back on this podcast. That's true, and I hope Haley calls me and I'm just like, hey, I meant everything I said. Calvin puts together his statements in his head before he says them. Uh, Haley's still young, uh, so her first reaction is, I'm too cool for this. And you can feel that through the interview. I've watched every single one of her interviews, and it is not – it's like pulling teeth, man. And I just – I just – I I would just pulling go for PR. Hurts. Haley, I, I, will, I will help you I, for free. We'll teach you what to say. Get on the pro tour. Show get her how board, to interview. Get, get on board disc golf brand. 
sponsored. Yeah, we'll we'll sponsor Haley after I just bashed her for four minutes straight. I guarantee a hundred percent no. <laughs> All right, that's uh, let's transition to Derek's hot take corner. To, to I, feel, get out of I feel like I need like an intro for that. Like a John oh, has got music. Do you want a John Cena intro? Do you want something? Well, no, because that would be copyright. Introducing Derek's <laughs> Hot Take Corner. All right, here's my hot take of the day. You know what really grinds my gears? 915 professionals. Explain. Like, what? You should not. I understand taking cash at a C tier. Sure, go for the cash. But you should not be labeled a professional. At 915 rated? Yes, there's so many people in the 900s rated. You should only be a professional. You should, PDGA should fix it. So you should be 1,000 rated to be claimed a professional disc golfer. 1,000 rated. Or you start putting like touring pro in front of it or something like that. I think, or something because these 920 guys that are, they career earnings $15 at a C tier with eight people. No, you're not a professional disc golfer. Well, okay. So here's my rebuttal to that. Uh, it's called open for a reason. It's open for anyone to play. If you cash at open, you are at the top of that tournament. You're at the top of your region. So you are officially a pro. It doesn't matter if you're 700 rated. It doesn't matter if you're 1050 rated. You are a pro if you cash at open. The people aren't going to see this, but I just strained my neck from shaking my head so hard. Okay? That's ridiculous. You're not a professional disc golfer. We're not going to start calling our buddy Joey a professional disc golfer just because he's 950 and got last cash at a local B tier. Hey, did he make money? C tier. Earth Day is a C tier. No, Earth Day was a B tier. My bad. Did he make money? Yeah, he made 40 bucks. That that's right there. That's a pro. You think he's, he's a pro- if, you think that's a professional? If you go into any other sport, if you make money doing it, you're a pro. Other no. than like the NCAA paying their athletes, of no, course. No, next year you can make money. Next year you can make money. But next year you should not be a professional. No, I... not at all. Not at all. A thousand rated is a professional athlete. You play all the time. Thousand rated endorsements. There's people endorsing you. Yes, a C tier. You should under a thousand. You're not a professional. You're an amateur who plays a local small tier tournament. I was on the lead card of a professional using air quotes tournament this year. Should I be a con- considered a professional? No, you're not over? even close. No. Did you end no. up catching? No. Because I absolutely choked the second round. Okay, so you're not a pro. You're an advanced <laughs> that I was trying to play. But if you cashed, you may, you may have been a professional. And that that's where my line's at. If you're cashing at the tournaments, and I'll even fudge it up a little bit. I'll say if you cash at 75% of the pro tournaments you play, then you're a pro. That That's what I'll say. You don't, you don't have to cash at 100%. 75% and you're a pro. Think about the other sports, how much they put into it. I play two rounds a week. I guarantee I can cash out a small seats here if I play four or five tournaments. And I'm 940. 
Well, I'm not even close. It's at 75%, so you're going to have to cash at three of those four tournaments. I'm not even close. Nine, And there's so many professionals, they say, under 940. Okay, I got a I got an interesting question for you then, Derek, because we're we're obviously saying me and you are saying you're not really a professional disc golfer until you're, you know, you're at the top of the game, you're making real money from this, you got endorsements, stuff like that. What do you think about like Brody Smith? Do you think he's a guy who's a professional disc golfer, or do you think he's just an influencer? He's a professional. You think, I mean, at this point, we're looking at the standings. He is definitely, I would say he's a professional disc golfer at this point. But, you know, it's kind of weird for him to come into the sport. And he's not really making money off the tournaments. He's a thousand rated. First off, he's a thousand rated. And he grinds disc golf. If you follow him on Instagram, after tournaments, he's in the field. He's putting. After a tournament round, most people are going home. He is grinding to be the best. He's going to be a top five player in a couple years. I, I think next year. I mean, because he's already, what, fifth, top 15 or something for this year? He, he's grinding. For this journey? Yes, he's in, let me look. He's in 13th place right now at the DDO out of 141 people. He's grinding. Last year was a little, a little too early for him, but he's just been, you can tell he's been grinding. He's shooting 1,000 rated rounds. He's 10.04 rated. His rating is gonna go. His rating is gonna keep going up because his ratings, uh, this tourney, ten thirty four and ten forty one. Yeah, he's a professional disc golfer. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about Brody Smith right now? Yeah, Brody Smith. Brody Smith is a professional YouTuber who plays disc golf well. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna argue that some guy that cashes at a local C tier. 75% of the time is a pro disc golfer, and you're going to say Brody Smith is not a pro disc golfer? All right, you, you are lost. Okay, you no, I, I 100% believe Brody Smith is a professional disc golfer. Um, he he's Brody Smith is a professional Frisbee player. It doesn't matter what kind of Frisbee you put in his hands. He will make it work. Um, I, I don't like – one thing I don't like about – what people say about Brody is, of course he's good because he was trained by Paul Macbeth. That's not how it works. You can you only train so much in disc yes. golf. You have to have the skill. You okay. could put me. You could put me with the best UFC coaches of all time, and I still would not be good at the UFC. <laughs> That's a completely so, different sport. Okay, but, but no, you're no, also my, five I, six. Five Lightweight, eight. baby. I've had my bad. My example is is that because he's with the best player in the world, it doesn't make him a good player. It's because he grinds, and it's because he's good at throwing frisbee first and foremost. Like that's just what he's good at, and so that's my biggest thing with Brody is that people say, "Well, of course he's good." Well, no, that's not how it works. Like he put in the time, and he quit his whole entire career basically to do this. Well, I mean, to His put in the like too. to get coached by Paul Macbeth, that probably takes a lot of time. Like if you're hanging out with Paul Macbeth five days a week, that's probably at least 10, 10 20 hours of your time right there. Like I it's mean, not. I could like, train with Justin Jefferson for the Vikings for six years. I still wouldn't be a better wide receiver. No, I'm saying I'm saying like he is he is putting in the grind. Like it's it's, yeah. it's not just an easy thing to go train with Paul Macbeth. He's like if we got trained with Paul Macbeth, professional. he wouldn't make it. Yeah. He's putting in the grind. These nine fifteen guys that are professionals, no, they're not putting in the grind. 
They're I playing not. A They're great example. A, a great example is the foundation guys. Yeah, we're starting beef off the bat. First ever <laughs> podcast. Foundation guys play with Paul McBeth all the time. Probably once a month. Are they getting better? No, they're getting worse. Like I, At I, least I, once yeah. a month. Yes, Groove Foundation. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to go there. I actually. I, like thought we were beef- I thought we were beefing well, with them. Well, we're beefing, but a lot of Vore is kind of based around Foundation, just with added extra fluff. Okay, so anyhow. Um, but the point is, is that if Paul McBeth instantly turned you into a thousand-rated disc golfer, the Foundation guys would be. And that's just not what happens. That's a good argument. That's a pretty good argument. There's two things that make a professional. Three things in my bets. It's arm strength, putting, and commitment. Okay. I, I, I kind of agree with that. If you don't have I, the arm strength, you don't have it. Okay, you're not going to grow into it. Like maybe, some not- form, maybe some form will put you into it, but you're not going to grow into arm strength. Putting, you can easily, you can become really good at putting by grinding. What the- I've been playing for five years. I'm the same putter I was five years ago because I don't practice putting. Yeah, and you have a nice basket. Yeah, the basket. It's just the grind. I don't grind to become that better putter. So you have to grind. And these 915 guys, I'm better putters than these 915 professionals. Maybe not. <laughs> but I think I think you make up for your game by your long distance drives and your A two shots. I think I can just yeah, just the parkable holes. It's easy to get a birdie if I just put if I just lean over and put the putter in the basket. I don't have to put it. But it's the commitment, arm strength. You can't teach arm strength. You have it or you don't. I've been saying it for three years. Well, uh, I would disagree I, with that. See, here's no. what I disagree with the most is Michael Johansson, one of the stalwarts. In disc golf, only throws out to like 415, and he is very, very good. When he's playing, he's going to be in the top 10, um, and he doesn't need the arm strength, but what he does have is decision making, and I think a lot of people don't have that. So if I he can still throw 415, 65% of people can't throw 400 feet. That's his like max, like he's throwing like 380 flip ups. Like, Are you talking about Michael Johansson? Yes. His aerodynamics is what makes him a good disc golfer. The top, <laughs> the way his hair flows back like that, that's what makes him a good disc golfer. That's what I was I, I was actually thinking about. If I grew my hair out, I'd be better. Yeah. That's why I got a haircut in three months. Derek, look up Michael Johansson. I think the thing about MJ, and so if I could replace, like if I were to make mine, it would definitely be putting. Uh, it would be mentality, <laughs> but then I think it would also be like your decision making on the course because I think you can pick apart a course uh, throwing 400 foot shots like pretty easily. I don't think you have to throw 550. And it's funny because 10 years ago when I first started watching disc golf, 400 was like where people wanted to be. And now five 550 is where people want to be to be really good disc golfers. Exactly. You either have it or you don't. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 true and it's not like you could actually try to get it, and that's a real thing. Like, I've never tried to have distance. So, do you think you, know. you could add a hundred feet to your throws just from trying? 
I think I could add 75. I think 100? if I... Maybe 100. I think if if I, like, actually took care of myself, um, didn't drink beer every night, and actually worked out, I would probably throw farther. I just think it's like a baseball pitch. I mean, it's like baseball players are really good disc golfers. Like Ryan Sheldon, baseball player, you can throw. I watch him live, and that dude throws so hard. Throws twice as hard as me from just natural abilities. I can't gain that speed. I mean, yeah, that, that is don't. a good example. That is a you good example. You have or you don't. Putting you can fix. You can become a really good putter from practicing. Distance, no. I think what's more important in the pro side is distance that's actually used um, accurately. Because fantastic that you can throw 500 feet. Like, if you don't know where it's going to go, why does it matter? Yeah, you can, I, you can I work on that. You can practice, you can grind that. You have that. You can work on that. But if you grind that, then your putting's bad. And now well, it's, it's grind, all downhill. You can grind both. That's true. That is true. I think a good example of that is Ezra Adderhold, our South Dakota, South Dakota boy. I think he's kind of grinding both of those. And uh, yeah, he's. Yeah, well, look what happens he, when he committed full time to tour. He's become so much better from grinding. He has the he had the power. Okay, so getting back to the hot topic. You're not a pro at 9.50. Yes. No, 9.50, you're not even a pro. 9.70, you're not a pro. All right. Next hot topic. This is a, this is a big thing in Minnesota. I don't know how, outside of Minnesota how big of a thing this, year, this is. But tiered, resi- reg- uh, tiered registration for all events, including, like, your C tiers and B tiers. Because in Minnesota... Events are filling up fast. And to give a good example, um, when we all signed up for the CCO, the Cedar Creek Open, arguably the top Minnesota disc golf event, you know, probably definitely top three. Some of us didn't get in and we tried to register as soon as the event opened. I mean, to the point where the website actually crashed that we were trying to register on disc golf scene crashed because there's so many people trying to register so i know derek wanted to talk about this you know there should be what he's saying is there should be tiered registration for all events you know open advanced intermediate and i definitely agree to the point of there should be tiered registration for a lot of these open events like a tiers maybe even b tiers because if i look at the wait list for this cedar creek open that's an A tier in Minnesota and one of the most prestige events in Minnesota, other than the Preserve T- Championship, which is going to be a disc golf pro tour event. There are a thousand rated players that didn't even get into this tournament, and there are a lot of like low 900 players that did get into this tournament. Like, there's yes. no reason that a thousand rated player should have to sit on the wait list in open while a 915 guy is gonna go play this you know like at an a tier there should be these tiered registrations because it's just ridiculous that there's people playing an open that really shouldn't be i like to i i do like tiered registrations i think they're important um 
I think a bigger issue with the CCO was if you sponsored something, you automatically got an entry. And so that filled like 50 entries. And same, that's same with the, the Twin Town stuff. You yeah, got a big tag, you get an early entry. That's, that's ridiculous. That's a way bigger issue than this tiered registration stuff. Like if 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 you have to fork over more money just to get into the tournament than what the tournament fee is, which is 120 bucks, like that's ridiculous. I think more importantly, it should be if you're a sponsor, like come and vent, come and come and do something at the tournament to make the tournament bigger. You don't at the pro tour. I had the opportunity to go to the Beaver State Fling. The sponsors of that were not playing in the tournament. They were at Tournament Central actually doing something. They were serving beer. There was there was breweries that were sponsors. There was a hat company that was a sponsor. Shoe company. Um, I had Huck Lab was there. That those are the type of sponsors you shouldn't allow somebody just to give three hundred bucks to get a spot in the tournament. It's yeah. a similar situation to. It kind of reminds me of if you go to Disney World or Universal and you buy the, the Express Pass. Pass. The Fast Pass. Those <laughs> the are fast money, pass. though. Those are it's money. It's like all these people are on their dream vacation, but these rich guys over here paying an extra two hundred bucks to just skip you in line and budge you in line. You know? That's exactly what it is, and I understand why the TD wants that. Um, but if you want to grow a tournament to become like Pro Tour caliber, which is what I think uh, the CCO would want to do, then you should look for sponsors that can vend at the tournament. Like maybe take a loss, but get some really solid sponsors there instead of just the one one person that's making dope minis. Like, I, I just don't like when somebody's personal name is on a whole. I don't care about them. I care about brands, and I care about things like that. Yeah, I just, I, I agree, because, I mean, I'm looking at the Majestic here next month. I'm not calling this guy out specifically, but why is there a 795 guy in advanced? <laughs> in what fucking world? Well, don't talk about me like that first off. But <laughs> if you were seven ninety five, you wouldn't be on this podcast right now. That is true. That is true. But um I don't care about that as much. I care about the the when the tournament entries are given away before it even opens. Like I would have probably gotten into the tournament if it wasn't for all these sponsorships yeah. for the CCO. That's ridiculous. It's it's even worse at Twin Town, where I think. Uh, let me look this up. You guys can well, keep talking. I'm going to look up how many how many spots are filled up at the Twin Town Throwdown before this tournament is even opened. Here's what I heard at Earth today. This is person to person. He said he hadn't. He had one of those Twin Town tags. They must have had an event already that opened up. But he said he had a Twin Town tag and he still couldn't even get in. And then he didn't even get into the tournament itself. He had the early access, didn't get into that, and then he didn't even get in the tournament himself. Yeah, it's just that. I don't it's remember just the guy's that's... name. I didn't care enough, but I remember hearing about it. I think the the key here uh, with tournaments is you need to have an AM weekend and a pro weekend so that you can open up the course for yep. more people. You need to 
work very, very hard to get outside sponsors so you're not losing a ton of money on it. Um, and then hopefully have more than one course like the CCO does. Um, so the Pro Weekend's probably not going to make as much money during the CCO as the Am Weekend will because you're not going to be able to fill up three courses with people. But you're still going to have Power Save out there to, you know, get some notoriety to the course. And then the Am Weekend is going to be your money maker. So let's look at Twin Town real quick. And I'm going to look at the advanced division because that's the division we're, we're all going to be trying to play in. Um, uh, not anymore. So, <laughs> you're moving down. You know, I got to just swallow the pride. So, so for advanced, there are 72 spots total for the Twin Town. Currently, hole sponsors filled up one, two, three, four, five, six of these holes. So almost ten percent. Yeah, we're gonna we're throwing percentages out there. Almost ten. Yeah, and they have not even opened up registration for bag tag holders. I don't know how many spots go to bag tag holders, but it looks like it's another like twenty five percent or so. I think the key here is we just need more people running more tournaments. I think it will get there because this was like the first year that everything kind of filled up the minute of. Definitely. So I think we're going to see more bigger tournaments, but I think it's more of the TDs trying to make more money. And I don't, I don't really because how do you how do you sell a Twin Town bag tag? The only thing is you get early entry. No one else cares. No one else cares. There's too many tags out there to. The only reason you buy one is to get early entry. See, and I'm fully in the camp of TDs making money because I think that disc golf should be a full-time job for TDs that run tournaments every weekend. Um, but I do think, like, okay, if you're going to do that, then run 10 tournaments in a year. Yeah. Like, make it worth everybody's while and make your own mini tour in the state. Like Airborne does. KLA Visca is probably the best disc golf ambassador that the midwest has ever seen and he has his mini tour that goes on probably so, in the world i'm gonna say it <laughs> yeah prob probably <laughs> the honestly. best td in the world he has the best disc he always has sweet spectrum die disc he has the best apparel i've ever felt my hands to yeah. besides board disc golf i haven't felt a board disc golf so i can't I'm just an honest person. I'm not. I'm not biased. I'm just an honest. But right now, <laughs> he's the best gear, the best tourneys. He doesn't have early entry BS stuff. Yeah, no, he does. He doesn't. And the thing about Kale is Kale made disc off his career, so he was able to do that. And I think more TDs should look at ways to make disc off their career in order to be able to do that. Like once you hit the summer months, you understand that you don't have a vacation, but Take it in November, December. Go somewhere else. Take your vacation because disc golf like needs TDs that are willing to go. You're gonna on take it. a vacation in Minnesota. You're gonna do it in the winter, <laughs> unless you're not very smart. Well, uh, that's very true. But a lot of people like to snowmobile and and go skiing. Ah. Uh, well, one of our co-hosts has gone skiing like twelve times this. That's because he's got family in Colorado. Don't give him that. <laughs> well, what, what what do you think about? People going all in on disc golf, trying to make it their career and just like be lifetime TDs. Can I and... go first? Yeah, sure. You're a hot take guy. I just don't think right now there's enough money in disc golf. I mean, the Pro Tour is not giving out 
a lot of money and they're turning winnies. I just don't think there's enough money in the sport right now. But I think a couple deals here and there, if PDJ, whoever's running their sales, needs to get fired. But whoever that guy is, I'm talking to you. So I think that once they get more money, it'll be much better. We'll get more money in the sport, more money flowing to these tourneys. Easier for TDs to run them. And to keep them as their job. That's my take. I think the sport needs more money, more deals. Like Bushnell just got in this past year. We need more. Yeah, we do. I mean, Adidas dropped out, though. And that was that was bad. We'll get him back. At some point, you know, they dropped out but are still doing well off of disc golf. When I go to a tournament, odds are one or two people on my card are wearing Adidas Tarek shoes. You know, they're not paying anyone in disc golf, but they're still doing a great job. Well, the only reason those are big is because of the name behind them. Because Paul wore them when he yep. was on his tear. That's exactly right. Philo was wearing them with the Philo tras. Was he really? <laughs> of course. He's an Adidas oh. athlete. But I just... I want to see career TDs. Like, I think that is where it needs to head. Uh, I think, really, we have Kale, Nate Heinold, and that's it. In the Jason US. Wilder is doing a decent job in Minnesota. Is that his... Pretty good is job. His full... okay. He's the Twin Town guy. He's the Twin Town guy, and I've I've had pretty good experiences at his tournaments. Now, I go over to Fargo, it's a little bit different. Hey, hey, we got Kalen. He's trying to run some good tournaments in Fargo. So we got to give Kalen a shout out. He's a good guy. <laughs> All right. So I think I think that's going to wrap up Derek's hot take corner. And we're going to move on to the last I mean, segment. I had like a I planned out like a 30 minute speech today, but I completely lost track. Like this <laughs> no, is the first I podcast. Hear it. I, and I, hear I, it. I think I got shell shocked a little bit. Because I had this whole thing mapped out, like, direction, and then I completely lost track after my first sentence. But, I mean, next hot take, I'll be better. But I just think I lost it a little bit. We're going to put a, we're gonna put in a 30-minute moment of silence for Derek's speech. All right. Cut it in now. Okay, so <laughs> you can just send me that speech a little bit later. So just make sure to record it and then just get Yeah, it. I, I just sent it. Okay. After that cut, yeah. All right, so... We're going to start up our last segment of this show. And I think I think tonight we're just going to go we're just going to do I guess I should probably start by introducing the the last last segment we're going to do. And we're going to do and go over the Mount Rushmore of disc golf. So we kind of want to touch a little bit on the history of disc golf and we're going to do that by going over the entire disc golf Hall of Fame. And kind of debating like, "Hey, should this guy be in the disc golf Hall of Fame? Should this guy not?" Um, and I think we're going to start off with PDJ number one and, you know, the founding father of disc golf, which is Study Ed Hedrick. Um, I think most episodes we're going to try to go over one to three guys and kind of debate whether or not they should be in this four-man Mount Rushmore disc golf. Um, but today we're only going to do one and we're going to start off with Study Ed. So I'm going to kind of go over some of the accomplishments he's had in the disc golf world. And give you kind of a backstory for people that don't know. And since no one is currently on the Mount Rushmore disc golf, we don't really have anyone to kick off. 
we're just going to debate whether or not we think he's going to be a staple on this Mount Rushmore and whether or not we think he's going to spend a good amount of time on here. So, Seti at Hedrick, considered by many the father of disc golf. Um, when he was, you know, early on in his early on in his life, he redesigned the Frisbee at Whammo. He was added on to Whammo's team to basically figure out what to do with all the extra plastic they had from designing hula hoops. Back in that time, hula hoops were a big fad, and they had a lot of leftover plastic. And frisbees were already a thing, but from what I can understand, they weren't that great. So he redesigned the frisbee and pretty much owns, I think, or Whammo, I think, owns the first patent for the modern-day frisbee. Um, this kind of became his main hobby and his his passion. He founded the International Frisbee Association and soon after started throwing at objects in city parks and snuck onto golf courses to you know, pretty much invent what would later become disc golf. He wanted to call this Frisbee golf because Whammo had the name Frisbee trademarked, but they did not actually want the name to be Frisbee golf. They didn't, they didn't want this to be their brand. So, you know, disc golf, that's not, that's not what it is. And people call it Frisbee golf as, you know, kind of a secondary name. Um, later on, he started the disc golf association which is still an association and a company that we see today, which manufactured discs and invented the modern basket, <clears throat> which from my understanding, what he had a hand in designing was the Mach 1, 2, and 3, and the portion of the basket which has the uh, the sliding the sliding link on top. Do you kind of do you guys kinda of know what I'm talking about? So there's no yeah. there's not that frozen link on top. If you hit that yeah. top link it slides back to catch the disc. And and then after, soon after that, he started the PGGA. You know, so he's pretty much considered the father of disc golf. You know, he started so many golf, disc golf-oriented associations, frisbee-oriented associations, and played such a huge, I mean, such a huge part in its start. Um, some interesting facts about, about Study Ed. Uh, his ashes are now in a disc that you can buy online. Many years ago, they created some commemorative discs. They're like 200 bucks online, and I'm honestly surprised they're not like a huge collector's item right now. They're something you can still buy online and have been able to for many years, and his ashes are in them. And a video of his ashes being put into the discs are, weirdly enough, put on Rick Ripley's Believe It or Not. For those of you that don't know, Ripley's Believe It or Not is basically a book-slash-video series that's like a human... It's like a freak show type video. How how, how would you guys describe like? Yeah, that's Mom exactly right. Gave me enough money for that at the book fair. <laughs> yeah, basically it's like a freak show book, and there's a video I'd highly recommend you look it up of Study Ed's ashes being poured into like a plastic machine to be molded into discs. Super weird. But uh, what I mean, what do you guys think? You I know you guys have looked a little bit into. Study Ed, what do you guys think as far as should he be on the disc golf Mount Rushmore? So I think that Study Ed definitely belongs there. Um, will he stay is what I don't know. So Study Ed basically invented Frisbee golf, but as we all know, and we'll get to him, Dave Dunapace invented disc golf. That's what we play, that's what we love. 
Uh, Steady Ed also held the patents to Baskets for a long time, so Basket Innovation wasn't able to move forward until it expired, and then Innova was able to make their first disc catcher. Um, and so there was there was a little bit of him cornering the market, um, and I I understand it, but also. What we know now is if you want the sport to grow, you need a lot of hands. You need a rising tides lift all boats. And he didn't necessarily see it that way at the beginning. Um, he kind of wanted to monopolize the market. So as far as Steady Ed goes, creating the PDGA, creating the DGA, fantastic. Um, but him really moving the sport forward, I mean, he created it. But once he was older and, and more uh, out of it, he didn't want it to grow as much as it has. That's a good take. But let me close out Steady Eddie. The Ed Hedrick Steady of disc golf. I think that he'll stay on there. However many people that we decide, I think he'll stay on there. If you look at Mount Rushmore, the first president, George Washington, is on there. He started it. He didn't grow it. He started it. Okay, I don't know a lot about presidents, but I know George Washington was the first. He started it. <laughs> That's a big fact. He started it, okay? He didn't grow the presidency. He was just the first one. So I think Steady Eddie should be the first one. And permanent. I'm going to mark him down. I'm going to take out my Sharpie right now and Sharpie him down for the first one. And he's going to stay there the whole time. Hot take. He's going to stay there because he started the disc golf. Without Steady Eddie, we're putting into garbage cans. <laughs> okay? That's Which leads true. to my second point. Arguably better than Mach 3s, though. If you <laughs> could change the disc golf basket, what are you changing it to? Oh, so if we can take away what Steady Ed yeah. did. The Steady Ed and... machine, what are you putting it to? I would make the basket slightly smaller uh, because the basket was designed for frisbees, not discs. And when you hit a good putt, you're hitting it in the center anyway. Um, so I would design the basket to be slightly smaller. Steady Ed didn't know, though. I mean, he had the 140 gram puppies that he was putting into, and that's literally what they were called. Um, but yeah, I think the basket needs to be smaller Which dimensionally. Goes to my point George Washington was the first one. He wasn't perfect, he didn't know everything. <laughs> First president on Mount Rushmore, Steady Eddie, first Mount Rushmore candidate. Actually, permanent. I, I agree with Derek, and because Nick's not in agreement, it's going to be really hard to vote him off. I think we're, we're going to have to move into his uh, two out of three votes to vote someone off the island. I, I, I agree. I, for disc golf, Steady Ed deserves to be on there, but for the growth of disc golf, Steady Ed definitely didn't want it to grow and i think we can all agree on that we've listened to podcasts about this you know and the interesting thing is maybe next episode maybe two from now we're gonna have a interesting conversation about how jim paul maury also invented the game of disc golf <laughs> so you, you know, know that's maybe... a conspiracy i'm behind <laughs> but will what would you change the basket to be what would I change the basket to be? See, my my initial thought is I'm thinking of the other things that have been used as baskets. 
Um, something that's kind of cool, actually, is they used to have like a. I know, I know. There's a video of Simon acing on one of these when he's really young. There's like a disc golf like pole that's metal. So when you hit it, it makes like a gong type sound. Like, like a the ring. Liberty Bell. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a bell type thing. And there's a video of him acing a hole, and they don't even. They don't even see the hole. They can't see the hole from where they're at. They just hear like this gong or like this this ring from him hitting the pole. So that's kind of cool. And what I like about that is if you hit the if you hit the pole, you know it counts as you making it, and it you know it has no chance of like a spit out or something like that. You hit it, you're in. You know I kind of like that. I kind of like that, and I think that's a different way of going about things. Is Sticking in the basket can kind of be a pain at certain times. Like if your disc cuts through the basket, if you chain out left, you chain out right. That's kind of a pain because you've already hit the basket. So maybe you know, like a like kind of one of those pull situations where if you hit it, you're in. No spit outs, just hit it. No spit outs. No spit outs. You hit it, you're good. Huh. That leads directly into my (laughs) dream disc golf basket. I'm going to call it a bucket, actually. The disc golf <laughs> bucket. Okay. So, Frisbee golf. What does golf use? A hole. We put a hole in the ground. We put a big, fat hole in the ground. <laughs> two feet wide, two feet long, a big hole. What's the most annoying part about disc golf? A spit out. Roller so aces, baby. We skip that and we put a big hole into the ground. You just throw it into the hole. No spit outs, two by two, big fat hole in the green. You throw it in, you're in. No spit outs, no pole doing for inspiration or whatever you call it. No, you're in and you're in. Golf is a hole. You throw it through a basketball. It's a it's a bucket. <laughs> this golf should be a bucket. <laughs> You know, put I don't golf. have. I don't put have golf. much. Another golf that. thing. You got to put it in the hole. Put the put the frisbee in the hole. For the two. Yeah, I mean that sounds very nice, uh, but how are you putting? Nick, you were not um, creative enough. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, Just make it putts, smaller. You throw it in the hole. You can roll it in the hole. You can hit it off the backboard, the back of the bucket. <laughs> Obviously, there's no backboard, but it's just a hole. You throw it in there. You lob. You lob it in there, just like how we do our putts. Lob it in there, right in the I, bucket. You're the only person I know that completely lobs a putt. I've seen a lot of people lob a putt. So, yeah. like the 915 professional disc golfers <laughs> that I play with, like those guys are professionals, right? That you proclaim. Yeah, they lob. Yeah. So imagine lobbing into a bucket. So much cleaner, so much more satisfying than just hitting a pole and calling it good for the hole. You make it in, you run over, you pick it out of the hole, just like golf or foot golf. Boom. I think I think this I understand I was not creative with a smaller basket, but there will be less spit outs with a smaller basket. Because you have to hit the pole. You only spit out when you putt bad. I agree with that, but what's more satisfying than bending over and picking your disc out of a hole? Over. Okay. okay, so what we can do is we can create a conglomeration of our two, 
And so what we'll do is we'll have a smaller basket that drops down into a hole. In 10 years, I might be the new Steady Eddie. <laughs> you might be in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm, honestly, pencil me in for Mount Rushmore's butt four. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's where we're going to wrap it up tonight. You think so, too? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we've covered everything we need to cover. All the important topics. Oh, do you have more? No, no. We've covered all the important topics. All right. Well, I don't know how to sign off yet, so I'm going to have to edit this out. How, how do we <laughs> want to sign off? Um... <laughs> this was Vor Disc Golf, and we will see you next week. Do-do-do. <laughs> I think you just keep that. Uh, we do not know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, just continue that over and over. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to Vor Disc Golf. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more topics. Have a good night. <laughs>